Hello, and welcome to SoberCast, where we provide AA speaker meetings and workshops in podcast format. We're an ad-free podcast, and if you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by visiting SoberCast.com, look for the donate link, and drop a dollar or two into our virtual basket. We hope you enjoy the podcast. Have a great day. Just to get down to the facts of the program, you know, this is the best thing that ever happened to me, an alcoholic, because, you know, I know what happens to people like us. The, the reality of alcoholism is it's not a pretty picture, you know, and, you know, by the grace of God, we're given a program, and it's laid right at our feet, and it's just, I guess, being desperate enough to pick it up, and that's one thing we all came in, you know, everybody came to their first meeting, so did I, <laughs> and, uh, you know, the first time I came, I wasn't desperate enough, but I did get some information, because uh, you guys had the truth around here, you have the book, and you have the facts about alcoholism, see, before I came here, I just had what we all had, you know, my buddies would tell me, and I'd tell my buddies, or whatever, and I'd get stuff like, you know what you did last night, Gary. <laughs> you know how when you get that, you don't want to hear what you did last night. You know it's not good, so you try to brush that off. But, you know, they said, you know what you should do? And I'd always wonder what, you know, and they'd say, you should just drink beer. You know, and then you'd be okay. So that's the kind of advice I get about alcoholism. Oh, maybe that will work if I just drink beer. It's that hard liquor. That's it. You know what I mean? We get all these different ideas that people get from other people that aren't really the facts if you're a real alcoholic. And I know for a real alcoholic, the only way is complete abstinence. And the only way to have complete abstinence is for me to be comfortable in my own skin. So once alcohol is gone, it's how do I stay com- away from that first drink? And that's the key for me. How do I stay away from the first drink? I never had defense against the first drink before. I used to, I believed in God before I came here. I was one of those persons who did. And I would pray and I'd go, oh, this time I'm going to quit and I'm going to stop everything. And I'd put everything down, you know what I mean? I'd go jogging. I'd go running over at the high school and do laps, you know, and I'd not smoke. And just like in the doctor's opinion said, by Thursday, I'd be so restless, irritable, and discontent, I'd be, there'd be no defense against the first thing. I would have to drink. There'd be way, no way for me not to drink. So Thursday, I'd go out and I'd start on that Tarango Scroll. Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Smoking two packs of cigarettes tonight, you know, and then Monday. I'm not going to do it. You know, and you do that for like 15, 20 years, you know, and you say, this weekend I'm not going to spend my whole check. And I used to do some weird things trying to control my alcoholism. And I'm serious. And I'd, I had a shop down in Lincoln, and uh, I remember, I know I, the key was, and I even had a sign on my back door in my print shop, and it says, don't take your checkbook too often. <laughs> and then in parentheses down there, I'd have, you know why. <laughs> I was sure it was my checkbook because, yeah, I'd start bouncing checks at all the bars and I had this little routine I'd go through. So my my solution to my alcoholism was I'll get a safe deposit. I'll lock all my stuff up. I tried all kinds of that. I got a bookkeeper once and I told her, just give me $80 a week, you know, for the weekend. That'd be good, 80 bucks. I could go out and party. The first weekend I did that. I locked whatever it was, either the bookkeeper or the time I did the safe deposit, I locked them all. And the first weekend I drank it all up and I was mad. I, was, I mean, I was madly looking for checks. So I came home and I was digging through the closets and, oh, I found some safety, depo- you know, some deposit slips with no checks on them. So I went down to the wine store and I go, ran out of checks. You know, can I write one of those deposit slips? Oh, sure, Gary, no problem. Yeah. Anyways, it, if you're trying all those things, it doesn't work. <laughs> you know, uh, complete abstinence, how to stay comfortable in my own skin, you know, and working the steps. So the last time I did come, like I said, I came in here when I was about 23 years old now. Sports. And uh and for uh 
Uh, ten years I came back and I was desperate. Because I knew about alcoholism. I knew about you people. I'd met some of you. Guys like Kevin, you know, he'd be there. I scared him. So I remember my mom goes, go talk to him. Well, he's been here for a year. Oh, to me, man, he was an old time. <laughs> you know, he had that year. I was sort of scared to talk to him. But I knew he was pretty drunk because he'd been around Auburn as long as our family, you know. And, uh, so, you know, there's people here I knew. And then my brother came in the program. So I knew it worked, you know. And, and I was desperate at the end. The last time I was in Placer County Jail and uh, I had a... I had a miracle happen, the same miracle that happens for all of us. This probably happens before we even know it. But uh, I was in jail again, and I was totally insane. And I think it was by the grace of God I couldn't get out that time. I remember seeing a picture of myself, and it scared me. And I can't go, you know, with 10 minutes. I can't go and do a long drunk log, which is a good thing, because basically what what happened is I was desperate enough to do what it took to stay around here. And what happened for me, I was in the jail, and I didn't want to quit drinking because I was so insane. I'd been in AA. I had a year one time, and I had 18 months one time. And I picked up that first drink because I did do the steps. I'd do 1, 2, 3, 12. I lived in Auburn my whole life. 1, 2, 3, and then I'm going to go help my buddies in Auburn. And I'd go save them, and they'd call me up. So anyway, uh, I was in there, and I was totally insane. And what happened for me, man, it's definitely in hindsight, it was the best thing that ever happened to me. I couldn't get out of jail. I remember calling my mom. You know, you get that one phone call, and, and you know, my mom's been going to go out on for 30 years. So, you know, I was like, that was a bad choice. And <laughs> take your one phone call and call her. You know, like, bam! I hung up the phone, you know. So, anyways, I was like, I remember my mind went off with all the F words, and they, and or this, and they're that, and why don't they get it? And I got this, and they should get me out. And, and luckily, I didn't get out, and I got like a week for my mind to clear up. And I think it was a week, a week and a half, I was up on that old bunk, and I was laying there. I go, look at your life in your name, and look at your life the last eight months, and that miracle I That thought came into my mind, it said, I have to go back to those moments. And that has changed my whole life. And that was almost ten years ago. And I could never tell you all the things, as you guys know, I mean, you people have been around here, that have happened to me in these last ten years. It's just been... It's been beyond any wildest dream. It's been beyond anything my sponsor said. Where is your goal list? Where would you like to be? Because, see, my goals at that time were so far off of what I is in my life today. I, I didn't even know what I would want to be in five years. I didn't know where I'd be, you know. You know what I'm trying to say. But anyways, so uh, that, that little thought changed my whole life that day. And what I did is I took action on that thought that I believe came from God. I need to go back to those meetings. And I started going to the meetings, and I started getting the truth again. Guys come to the meetings, and they'd say stuff like, Gary, what are you going to do this time when you get out of jail? You're going to go find your old buddies, or you're going to find out where the meeting is? And I was humbled enough by alcoholism to come to the meetings and not just sit in the back and go, here they are all talking, now they're going to help you, and they never talk to you. You know, <laughs> you know. I raised my hand and I said, "Hey, I just got out of jail. I ain't got a car. I need rides." They got one of those papers. Everybody wrote their names. They said, "Hey, if you need a ride, Gary, to him." My brother had been here for a long time. Gave me my first uh, sober car. You know, you always get that first sober car, man. I had that. It was a Honda CVCC station wagon, man. It was down there in Forest Hill on our property, man. And we went down there. We started that baby up. I had to put a battery and do a few things. Got it going. And, man, that was my sobriety talk for the first year. I'd go to meetings. I'd hook up with a buddy who was getting sober. We'd go gold panning. You know, we had free and easy life. You know, you got – I didn't have a lot of responsibilities. You know, I was out of jail with a shoebox, and I had this car. So, you know, you didn't have a whole lot of things going on, you know. So you could go to a lot of meetings, which is a good thing, you know. And uh, I had a ball, you know. I remember that old car came out of Forest Field the last time, threw a rock. I made it all the way up the hill home. 
And so, uh, you know, since then I've been able to do all kinds of stuff. You know, I've been up, I've been, you know, scuba diving over in the tropics and got to go over to where my wife's from in the Philippines. I've been over there two, three times. And, you know, I'm down there swimming and I'm gone. And all these fish are on there falling in and stuff. And I got a big old smile on my face and I go, how's a guy with no teeth? You know, I came in, no teeth. I can't take them out no more because while I was over in the Philippines, I got furnace. I used to pull them out and go, <laughs> you know, how'd a guy with no teeth come from jail? And then 10 years later, I'm swimming down here and I knew it's because of you people. Because you people gave away so freely what was given to you. And that's what today is all about. We give it away freely what was given to us. And for no other reason than to see you get what we got. I mean, where else in the world do you find something like that? Where people just want to give it to you. There ain't no money because of traditions. We're not trying to build a bigger building. You know, we don't need more money because we did. it's just about one drunk helping another. And to me, man, that is just awesome. And, uh, you know, I'll be... Uh, I'll be eternally grateful to AA and to the people who come here and share their experience, strength, and hope. You know, I know most of you people in this room, and most of you people know me better than some of my family members, because here it's safe to talk about what's going on in our life and to hear the solutions that are in the big book. You know, and that's what happens out here. People can give advice from the big book that really works. You know what I mean? And that's when I hear the solution. You hear the magic around here. And it works, and it's universal. It's not for me, Bridget, you, or you. It's for anyone who works it. And I mean, I look around this room, I see miracles all over. You know? I know a lot of people who come and did like I did in and out and think, thought they were the only one who came in and out like I did. I thought, Kevin's been here forever, you know, and I'm the only guy who can't get it. And then Arthur would be here, and it seemed to me it was all in my head, like all the same people were here. But a lot of people, it's tough. And, and some of us do go out and come back. And we're lucky if we can come back. And, uh, I'll be grateful that, you know, forever that I gotta come back and I've got on all these gifts. And like I said, when I was down there swimming with all those fish, I had a big smile on my face and I said, thank you God, thank you AA. Because that's why I've got what I've got in my life. There ain't any other reason. And you know, as long as I keep this number one in my life, the higher power I found around here through AA, which are the same to me, and keep everything else stays in line. As soon as I start making other things more important and start playing God, I don't feel right. And, uh, I'm miserable. I'm trying to run the show, and I'm trying to say I know what's right for everybody else. And when I start saying I know what's right for everyone else, I'm not comfortable. So I'm going to keep coming back now for 10 minutes, and thank you. Good stuff, good stuff. Okay, and that brings us to our main speaker. Um, I don't really know uh, this person, but I had dinner with her, and she seemed like a very likable person. Definitely one of us, and that's uh, Deborah Mitchell. Hi, my name is Deborah, and I am an alcoholic, and it's really nice to be here, and it's nice to be sober, and welcome to the 30-day people. Happy birthday. I had, it took me a long time, many 30 days to get 30 days. That band doesn't bother me. I was a bartender, okay? So you can't scare me with that. I'm in the right place. They'll probably keep me out of self. Uh, what I'm supposed to do is share uh, my experience, strength, and hope. My strength is AA. It's all there is for me. And God. God, God is first. But, you know, I had a God when I came in uh, to... 
But uh, I could not have the God or keep the God that I have without the program of Alcoholics Anonymous. What I want to do is I want to uh, share a, a little bit about myself. And actually, all you need to know is that I'm an alcoholic, and you already know me, okay? But but what I want to do is read, because I want to get centered a little bit. Um, I was reading in this book um, this morning. I read in, in the literature a lot lately. I went to the uh, World Conference. So I had my first World Conference this year. I have, oh, uh, by the way, my... Uh, my home group is, uh, uh, is uh, the Howe Group of Alcoholics Anonymous on Friday night at 8 o'clock. If my legs aren't broke or I'm on vacation or I'm in the hospital, I'm there. So that's where you can find me. And it's the best uh, 8 o'clock meeting on Friday night in Vacaville because it's the only one, okay? <laughs> so I can get away with saying that and not make anybody angry or resentful. Um, and my sobriety date is 1-186. But truly, I don't say that pridefully because actually all I have is today. All I have is this 24-hour period and pretty pretty can pretty much figure that my ego is going to keep me sober till midnight. So uh, pretty much figure that. And because of the, because I'm here speaking to you, actually, and one of the things that you've taught me is that I, uh, I can't transmit what I don't have, okay? And, uh, and so that's why I'm here, because I want to stay sober. And I'll go to any length. And, you know, the old-timers used to ask you, you know, are you willing to go to any length to get it? Because you were willing to go to any length to get a drink, you know, and if you're not willing, then you're not going to stay. And willingness without action is fantasy. You know, I'm a gonna. I'm a gonna quit drinking tomorrow. I'm gonna gonna start smo- stop smoking that funny stuff tomorrow. I'm gonna stop doing whatever it is I'm gonna do tomorrow. I'm gonna get a sponsor tomorrow. I'm gonna work the steps tomorrow. And tomorrow never comes. And that's what I did for ten months. And I almost died doing it. I know I died inside, and I was ready. Okay, physically outside I didn't die. But what I want to do is uh, focus uh, what I was reading here. In uh, the table of contents, there are little um, summaries of the steps. And there's actually a lot of power in these little summaries, okay? What I want to read is the 12th uh, summary, okay? Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried, we tried to carry this message to alcoholics and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Joy of living is the theme of the 12th step. Action, action is the key word. Giving that asks no reward. Giving that asks no reward. Love that has no price tag. What is spiritual awakening? A new state of consciousness and being is received as a free gift. Readiness to, to receive gifts lies in the practice of 12 steps. The magnificent reality Rewards of helping other alcoholics. Some of us don't even make it. Kinds of 12-step work. Problems of 12-step work. About money, the practice of these principles in all our affairs, monotony, pain, calamity, turned into good use by practicing of the steps. Difficulties of practice. Two-stepping. Switching to 12-stepping and demonstration of faith. Growing spiritually is the answer to our problems. Placing spiritual growth first. Placing spiritual growth first. Domination and over-dependence. Putting our lives on give-and-take basis. Dependence upon God necessary to recovery of alcoholics. Did you hear that? Dependence upon God. Necessary to, to recovery of alcoholics. Practicing these, practicing these principles in our affairs. Domestic relations in AA. Outlook upon material matters change. So do feelings about personal importance. Instincts restore to true purpose. Understanding is the key to right attitude, right action, to 
to, is the key to good living. I can't think my way into good living, but I can live my way into good thinking. That's what I was taught. It was one of the very first one-liners I remembered. This book is the um, blueprint to recovery. If you want to get sober, you'll read the blueprint. If you don't, don't read it. You won't. You won't have that comfort in your own skin thing. It won't happen for you. Sorry. Without the steps, that will not happen. I'm going to tell you a little bit about, and I want to thank the people that I had dinner with, and, uh, you know, I get to uh, have an extended family, and I get to meet more people, again, that are part of a family that I have gained in the program of Alcoholics Anonymous in the last 16 years of my recovery, and I will be eternally grateful for that. And I will do anything, anywhere, anytime for fun and for free for Alcoholics Anonymous. I don't want nothing for it because I've gotten way beyond my wildest dreams. Way beyond my wildest dreams. Okay? I can't even tell you. That little baby there doesn't bother me in the least. I came in here pregnant. Okay? So don't even think for one minute that that bothers me. Anything that God has happening right now is what's supposed to be happening as far as I'm concerned. What I want to talk a little bit about is uh, what this book talks about. But what I want to tell you a little bit about is about who I was before I, I actually became an alcoholic. And I don't even argue about if I became an alcoholic. I can tell you that uh, I didn't, I, I really cared about what people thought about me. And, and, and I'm very um, uh, loud, obnoxious, and, and uh, vivacious, and, um, and all the things that threaten people. And, um, and I was told not to be that. I love you. I love you. You, uh, you know, you're, I want to be you when I grow up, okay? Uh, <laughs> you know, and it, you know, that's who I am. And people, it scares the heck out of them. It really does. But I'm okay with that today because I like me today. And I don't need your approval to like me today, and that's because of the steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. Okay? Um, my dad was an alcoholic, um, and I, I uh, didn't uh, want to be an alcoholic like him, so I used other mind-altering chemicals, and it didn't work. I became an alcoholic in the other A word. And I don't have to be a bigger, better alcoholic and whatever today. Uh, I came into Alcoholics Anonymous because I didn't want to quit using. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, it's the truth. Okay? Uh, and Alcoholics Anonymous ruined my using and my drinking for me. Yes. I'm really glad of that. I came in here uh, putting my fist through windows. My, my, one of my sponsors, the only time I've ever gotten rid of a sponsor is when they moved away, and I had three of them move away, and I was trying, almost getting a resentment about that. But uh, uh, she used to say, I'm vicious, violent, violent, and vulgar. That's who I was. That described me perfectly. When she said that, I went, oh, my God, that was who I was when I came in. I was vicious, violent, and vulgar. Okay? The person that you see here standing in front of you today is not the person I was when I came into the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, putting my fists through windows, um, I... Uh, you know, I would, you would have drank too if, uh, you had to run away from home because your mom divorced your father, you know, uh, because he was an alcoholic and she were, married a worse alcoholic than, uh, my dad was. Uh, in fact, he was a, I, I don't mean to be rude, but he was a short man. If anybody's short here, don't take offense, okay? He was a short man with a short man's complex and he wanted to prove that he was six feet tall and bulletproof and he beat the hell out of women. And that's who my stepfather was. And she married him, I didn't. And I ran away from home at 14. That defiance that the book talks about being the, the death of us, uh, you know, became a, a really working character defect for me. You know, it saved my life. Uh, I ran away from home, and what I realized was I, what I, I learned from that experience was when the going gets tough, I split. 
I leave. Uh, it was well into the steps before I realized that. Well past my four step, many years past my four step that I realized. Because if you stick around long enough, you'll learn that when a going gets tough, you split. Because see, uh, I've had the same group, home group for 11 years. Uh, I moved to Vacaville 11 years ago. And despite everything, I have never left that home group. And that's just for me. Uh, I believe in working on me, not you. What I think of you will keep me sick. Okay, that's what the program has taught me. But I came in, um, you know, I, I married a, a husband who drank and used like me. He was a guy who could pay bills and party. This was going to be a lot of fun. It was for a while until I started putting my fists through windows. And, you know, and he wondered if I couldn't just quit drinking a little. <laughs> you know. And I said, you know, I, I don't know, but I tried that and it didn't work. And, and I was doing, you know, the other stuff, illicit chemicals that I was doing. And I had no intention of giving that up. And I, I went to, I got sober in San Francisco. And I went to, uh, I went to every recovery home in a 100-mile radius of the San Francisco Bay Area. And they told me the exact same thing, that after umpteen million dollars for the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, I'd have to go to AA meetings one day at a time for the rest of my life. And I'm thinking, you know, I'm way too busy for that. You know, I'm sorry, but you know, I'm a busy person, and I have things to do and places to go and people to see, and excuse me, but, you know, everybody loves me, and I, I just don't have time for that, you know. i got to see my friends, you know. So, so I, you know, I thought, well, I'll, I know, I'm a smart person, so what I thought is I'll go to a meeting, and I'll, and I'll do a meeting a week, because, you know, you guys were sicker than I was, you know. I, you know, I only needed a meeting a week. What, this once-a-day thing is just totally crazy, you know. I mean, I, I don't need that, you know. So what I do is I do uh, Kaiser Noon Wrap uh, at Kaiser Hospital in San Francisco at noon. Um, I bartended. My shift started at 2 o'clock. <clears throat> I would go out of that meeting. I was fired up. By the time that meeting was over, man, I was, fired, I was ready to not drink. I had every intention of not drinking when I walk out of that room. And I get to the bar, and I start setting up the bar, and and I think, there's, there's the problem right there, I, I think, okay? I heard a guy the other day in the meeting say, his sponsor said to him when he first got sober, that says think, think, think. It doesn't say think, 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 Okay? Does that like any of your, sound like any of your minds? Okay, yeah. I went, oh, my God, I relate to that. Okay, so still. Okay, so, so think, 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 think. So I would think, okay, you know, just one glass of wine. This first drink got you drunk stuff did not make a darn bit of sense to me. You people were cheap drunk. It took way more than one drink to get me drunk. I don't know what's up with you guys, but, you know, come on. So, you know, I would have one glass of wine just to take the edge off, you know. And, you know, and, and then, you know, I, I would sit there, and it would seem like an attorney was probably only about two and a half, three minutes um, that glass of wine was gone, and then I think to myself, well, now see, this was the next problem, okay? I would think, oh, you know, if I was in a Mexican restaurant, you know, this this glass wouldn't be this dinky little wine glass with this little tall, you know, stem and everything. It would be this, like, big goblet kind of, you know, you know the Mexican wine glass. You know, it looks like a, like a brandy snifter, but bigger, okay? And, you know, so, I mean, I can have one more. And then I would have one more and one more and one more until it was as big as this room and I was drunk again. I couldn't figure out why. 
You know, I didn't read in the doctor's opinion where it says that when you put alcohol into your body, that we have a, a body that's different than other people. If you're an alcoholic like me, you know, and it says in our book here, it says go out and try some more drinking if you don't. I did that. No problem. Happened to live through it, yippee. But, you know, the deal is is that I went out and did that, and, and what I re- didn't realize, I, I tell the girls I sponsor, you know, in the doctor's opinion, every time it's this phenomena of craving, okay, this is us. This is the first step. Allergy to alcohol. But see, the problem with our allergy is, you know, if you went to a doctor and he told you, you know, you're allergic to strawberries, and if you eat strawberries, you're going to, your throat's going to swell up and you're going to stop breathing. What would you do? Thank you. Okay, well, you know, but unfortunately with us alcoholics, that's not what our reaction to that allergy is. If our throat closed up, we would be plus. No, our body craves more. That's what our body does. So if you're an alcoholic of the type that I am, that's what will happen to you. I did 10 months of that to figure that out. I'm a slow learner. I'm sorry. I, you know, I thought I could read this book and figure it out on my own. I bought a book. I did the meeting a week and bought a book. Because I'm, you know, I'm a smart person. I have a high IQ. I, I only have a 12th grade education. But I figured I could do this on my own. Now, I did not want to know what a sponsor was because I knew if I asked what that was, I'd have to go get one. <laughs> not even interested in that. I don't know why I heard of, you know, get a commitment. I could do that because I'm in service. You know, I'm, I'm a service person. I like people. You know, I enjoy. So I can make drinks. I can make coffee. I'll be a coffee maker. So I'll just get into service. So I, so I did my coffee commitment at the 12 Kaiser Noon Wrap, and I smoke my weed out in the parking lot, and I come in drinking this stuff and make the coffee, and everybody hugged me anyway, and they say, keep coming back. But I didn't think you knew. But you knew. You didn't say anything either. Not the ones that I got sober with. To be honest with you, those people that I found in that room that first 10 months, I wouldn't probably have anything to do with at this point, to be honest with you. That's just for me. But I did feel one thing in that room that I loved, and it was love. It was the most unbelievable love I have ever felt in my life. You didn't want anything from me. Well, most of you. Because, see, I had thrown that husband out, and I was looking pretty good to some of these guys in the room. You know what I'm saying? And and the way I dress now, you think it's trashy now? Oh, my God, I was about four years sober looking at my, through my closet going, Oh, I used to wear this? Oh, my God, I don't even believe this. And I bartended in that, too. So, actually, things do change, but I'm still kind of a little vulgar, but that's okay, because I'm okay with that today. You don't like it? That's your problem. Um, and I'll do it till I can anymore, you know, because uh, I'm a good alcoholic. Uh, you know, anyway, I, I you know, I, I, I had, I was getting a divorce from my husband. Um, you know, they tell you not to get involved in the first year. Now, it, it doesn't say this in our literature, and it really isn't part of the program. And I, and I actually heard a speaker once say that it's always those people that have relationships that tell you that. <laughs> So actually, it's kind of funny, but but um, the deal is is that to be honest with you, um, I've had experience around this, so I'm going to share part of that with you, okay? But um, you know, you, you're told you know to get a commitment and and uh, work the steps, and I was already working them by myself. I didn't need a sponsor, and I learned later on that 
and I don't mean to be rude, and if you get a resentment about this, you need to get a sponsor so you can call them with a resentment, um, that if you're working the steps by yourself, you're working with an idiot. That's what I was taught. Anyway. Because I don't know what part of we you can work, oh, excuse me, without a sponsor or somebody else. What part of we is that? Maybe the people in your head, but that's a really dangerous bunch up there, okay? <laughs> Ew. Don't ever go there in, in there by yourself because it's a really bad neighborhood. Um, so the first step I knew, I got that. Uh, I had started my 90 and 90, uh, 90 meetings in 90 days. It was a club, the Alano Club in West Bay that I had started my 90 meetings in 90 days at. That was my, I didn't ever hear of her home group till I got to, to, to Vacaville. I don't know why. That selective hearing we were talking about, I'm sure. But, but, uh, they had a lot of places with committees though too. It was, they were bigger meetings and steering committees and stuff like that. So I don't know that there was really a lot of home group talk to be honest with you. Cause I'm pretty quick about things. And, um, and I had this home base that I called it, you know, the, the, the 12 noon, uh, um, at, at, in the Alano Club in West Bay. And, um, and I did, I, I became a secretary. Um, I, I did my 90 and 90, but before I became a secretary there, uh, I did my 90 and 90 and I was, you know, still doing the marijuana stuff and, and, um, and I couldn't figure out why I couldn't quit drinking. Uh, you know, you strongly suggested giving up the mind altering chemicals, but since this was Alcoholics Anonymous, that was my, you know, that loophole that I was looking for. So, um, so you never said anything about that to me, really. Uh, some people did, but, you know, I didn't, I didn't stick with those people because I didn't want to hear what they had to say. So, um, so the deal was, was that, uh, I, uh, I, I, I had a bag of weed in my purse. It was the, uh, Alcathon at the, uh, Thanksgiving, uh, in 1985. Um, it was, it was garbage stuff. It, it, it really was stuff that I, you know, I, you wouldn't even, it was like nutmeg, okay? I mean, I knew the beginning of the end was over and I didn't want to throw really good stuff down the toilet, okay? So, um, so I had this thing in my purse and, I'm sitting like back where you are in the sweater and, and this guy, these two guys in the back row who had some time, I guess, you know, I left there then went to work and, you know, I had successfully had, you know, uh, some time with not drinking and, um, I ended up, uh, going into my purse that night looking for the bag and it wasn't there and I thought, oh my god, I hope I didn't drop it on the Alano Club floor. <laughs> well, guess what? About 30 days later, this guy comes up to me that was sitting in the back with his buddy, and he says, you know, I feel really bad because you're, you know, my friend, uh, you know, took that, you know, you dropped this bag, you know, on the floor, and he he chose to flush it down the toilet, and I said that he shouldn't do that because it's your hard-earned money and it's your stuff, and you need to decide what you want to do with that. And I felt really bad that this man had carried around my garbage for a month. And I thought, you know what? And I said to this guy, I said, you know what? I think this is a sign from God that I need to quit smoking this stuff and, you know, a neon sign. But anyway, <laughs> but I shortly thereafter gave up. And actually, my I, I quit drinking at, at the middle of December, but I wasn't really honest yet, and there were clouds in my head from all the stuff I had been pulling. To be honest with you, um, I was a sick pup when I came in here. And um, and so I really, my sobriety date's 1-1 because I, I just tr- didn't trust myself still, and I just pushed it up that far because I wasn't sure. You know, if I was going to continue to lie. So I figured, you know, New Year's Day was a good good sobriety date. You know, start the new year off fresh, great. Uh, you know, I had been starting to work on, on uh, with a sponsor. Uh, this woman was sitting in the Alano Club, and she told me that um, this one morning that I had come, this is the last time I actually drank. She told me that uh, 
She had been watching me for 10 months and I was going to die. And I needed to get really into action. And I needed to start working the steps of the program. And she told me to take a piece of paper and a pencil and write, you know, God, I have a resentment about. And answer that question. And because I had had a drink uh, two nights before this. And two, three glasses of wine did to me what three bottles of wine normally did to me. It scared the crud out of me, okay? I was so sick for two days on that, and it was three glasses of wine, swear to God. What had happened was the progression had started happening, you know. I mean, it, my body started progressing fiercely, and I had almost had 30 days without a drink, okay. Again, one more time, and I just was sick, 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 sick. And so, you know, hungover as heck still from this, you know, two days ago. And she said, no, she's talking to me, and I have, I have absolutely, she's speaking Greek to me, okay? I don't even know what she's talking about. But, um, you know, if that woman would have told me to stand on my head with, you know, on a full moon, swinging my purse over my legs naked, I would have done that. Because I was willing and ready to go to any length because I was tired of living like I was living. And thank God for that. That gave me a foundation that I have continued to use. She said that you have the garbage of the past, which is your fourth step, and the garbage of today, which is your tenth step. And I didn't understand anything she was saying at that point. But she told me to do this resentment writing on a daily basis and call her with it. I thought she said for a year. That's how sick I was. And actually, that's probably what I needed, and that's how sick I was. But it, she said for three months. She was trying to get me to retrain my mind because it's really right here in the book. It's the fourth step in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. Got to have a resentment about whatever that resentment is. My fear is, whatever that fear is around that resentment, it affects my self-esteem, security, ambitions, personal sector. Not yours, mine. Me doing your inventory is not going to get me my sobriety. Sorry, I don't care what anybody tells you about doing anybody else's inventory. You want to get sobriety, stick to your own inventory. You watch a sponsor's feet. You don't have to do their inventory. You're not going to find a perfect sponsor. I can tell you that right now. There is no such animal. No such animal. In fact, most of the time you hear you should look for something that you want in somebody, like that you want what they have. Uh-uh. If you want what they have, you don't want them as a sponsor. Sorry, I don't buy that. You want what you don't want what they have. They scare the heck out of you because they are challenging your thinking. This is completely, completely opposite of anything that we have ever learned. For some reason, I have no idea. These normies out there will go, oh, those steps, no problem. That's not a big deal. What do we do when we walk in there? Oh my God, do I have to do that? What's up with that? We're alcoholics. Our thinking is really kind of twisted. Okay? And the, and the big book tells us how to get out of that. It affects my self-esteem, security, ambition, personal sex relationship, pride. I am being selfish, self-centered, self-seeking. Always. Always, always, always. Still. Selfish, self-centered, self-seeking. Dishonest, proud, and frightened. You answer those questions, and then you write because. And you and you ask, and that, that's the fourth column. Because. And if you don't understand this, get a sponsor and ask them what I just said. Okay? Do yourself a favor. I, uh, in the, in the uh, chapter to the agnostics, is, it, I, you know, I don't mean to be really rude here, but the chapter to the agnostics is, is the chapter that's filled with the most God. Um, 
This is the thing that brings you to God. I know that sounds like really insane, but keep coming back because it'll make sense to you if you study this book. Because it talks about the fact that, you know, Bill's story is about identification. The doctor's opinion is the first step. Bill's story is about identification. I got a new book this year, and I started highlighting in the new book what is true for me today because my new sponsor I just got, um, because my other sponsor is kind of getting seen now. She's got 44 years of recovery. And um, and I'm not getting what I need from her. And I she's still my sponsor out of respect, but, um, but I, I picked up somebody else who really, really knows the book. And I never actually had a sponsor read the book with me before. So this is very cool. I didn't have this to pass on to my girls until, until two years ago when I got her. This is the best part of my recovery I have ever had since I have gotten really into this book. And I have been studying this book, you know, and then my sponsor would have me read it to her over the phone in pieces that, you know, would re- apply to that particular problem. But, um, but this is the most unbelievable part. And then it says, you know, there is a solution. Because it tells you that after Bill's story, and oh, in Bill's story, every problem was highlighted in my old book. Now, every solution is highlighted. Because she told me to go and get a new book and get rid of all the old highlights, start over again. And so I did that, and, I, and it was really cool because what I did is I saw my growth. I saw what I loved, and it was different than what I was grabbing a hold of before. All the sickness was highlighted in Bill's story from the old book. All the solution is highlighted in the new one, in this one here. So this is very cool. And there's really a summary of steps in, the, in Bill's story, and then it talks about there is a solution. We have a solution to the problem. You know what the solution is? It says it's God. That's the, the, the only purpose of this book is to find a God. Now, if you have a problem with that, I, ha- I read something in, um, this is very cool. I read something in um, the, the grapevine. It, it has, uh, the new grapevine talked about, uh, is there too much God in AA? And there's a lot of different opinions in, in that. And it's a very, one, there, I just read those today when I was sitting up in Reno with my husband and my son. Um, it says, uh, and, and this was the line I got. It was, it's in the April grapevine uh, this month, and it says, in this program, we are not supposed to believe as others do. We are simply encouraged to believe as we do. See, I don't care if you're God. Uh, you know, I'm Christian by religion. Um, I'm Buddhist by day, I'm Muslim uh, in the closet. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I'm kind of a pagan, actually. According to my Christian religion, I'm really a pagan, okay? I don't really care. Because you know what? Just because I admire one particular person doesn't mean that there are not many teachers. And you all are teachers. We are all students and teachers to each other. Okay? So, 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 in We Agnostics, it talks about a God, and that you can get one. A higher power, power greater than yourself. There's got to be something bigger. I mean, I heard a guy say once, uh, if, if God was, uh, not, was, uh, small enough for us to understand, he wouldn't be big enough to do anything for us. Hey, cool. Okay? And that's the truth. But what I want to do is uh, I'm going to continue on with my story after I read this, and then I'm going to read this at the end because I want you to really get what this here this says. I was studying this book the other day with my girls. Uh, I've been doing this for two years now, every Sunday night. Not many of them stick, but I'm really in recovery now. And I'm not into shoving it down your throat anymore. I'm not an AA Nazi. I'm telling you that this is what works for me. If you don't want that, hey, have at it. Not a problem. But this is the solution. And you'll hear why in a minute. This is in the family afterwards on page 133. I love this line. It says, God didn't do it. Avoid then the deliberate manufacture of misery. But if trouble comes, 
cheerfully capitalize it as an opportunity to demonstrate his omnipotence. And I'll read that later on because it'll make more sense to you. So I get rid of this husband because, see, I heard, I heard, uh, you know, let go and let God, and I thought they meant let go of him because that's what I wanted to hear, that selective hearing, remember? See, it was easier to, to get rid of him than it was to deal with the wreckage of my past. I'll just start with a clean slate. I'll go find a new one. You know, he doesn't know the, the ugly side of me putting my fist through a window, so this is cool. My image isn't wrecked. I didn't know this then. I know it now, okay? So I, he's sitting at the bar that I was working at, and uh, and he wasn't, a, you know, he didn't have a problem with drinking. Nice man. Very attentive. My girlfriends just were blown away by him. All my normie girlfriends even. Oh, my God. How come I have somebody hasn't, you know, just caught on to him? He's just fine, you know, and I'm like, yeah, well, I'm just lucky, I guess, because, I mean, I'm doing God's will now. It says in the 11th step, it says that, you know, you will pay for this in all sorts of absurd manner. Oh, my God, have I lived that. So I, um, my husband actually had put himself into Duffy at that point and, uh, and got, and got, got, figured out he had a drinking and drug problem. Too late smart, as my grandmother used to say. And, um, <laughs> and, uh, and I, and I, and I had met this guy after he got put in Duffy's. <clears throat> and, uh, so when my husband got out of the recovery program, um, I said to my husband, you know, I met somebody else. And actually, my husband thought I was going to take him back because I found out I was pregnant with our, our baby. Because now we have a baby on the way, and everything's going to be fine, and he's clean and sober, and I'm clean and sober. And now, we'll, you know, now maybe we'll have a shot at life. And and I had other plans because, you know, I saw God's will for me from across that bar. And my sponsor, you know, she said to me, you know, they tell you not to do that, but you know, you know, she told me things like, and she never told me not to. She said, you know, if you're meant to be together, wild horses won't keep you away from each other. Let's see. We were talking about this at dinner. You have a neat See. That's called taking a hostage, by the way. It's not called having a relationship. But you know, but I mean, and I'm not, I'm not criticizing what happened here. I'm not saying that at all. Don't, don't get me wrong. Um, you know, that was just what happened for me. Okay. And um, so I, I uh, was with this person for four months. My dream guy. You know, he was perfect. Everything about him was perfect. He was good looking, and he seemed to always have money. And you know, and um. You know, he would have dinner on the table when I come home from work, and, you know, candles were on, and sexy tune. He picked my brain for every sexy tune I ever liked, and it was on the stereo when I walked in the door, you know. I mean, it was just, it was heaven, you know. And uh, and uh, four months into our relationship, I it was it was my apartment, and it was uh, my phone, and I would open my phone bill, and there was uh, $350 worth of one numbers on my phone bill. <clears throat> I had a female roommate, Barbara. And, you know, I said to her, I said, Barbara, who the heck are you calling? And she's like, I don't know anybody out of town. And I'm like, well, and she said, look at the itemized list. And every three minutes was like these phone, these phone sex numbers, okay? And I'm like, oh, God. So I asked him to leave. Um, I was um, just about to go into my first obstetrician appointment. And I had actually just finished my, it was in April sometime that year uh, that I finished my first four step. And did my fifth step. Got baptized in my faith. It was really a very spiritual time for me, even though all this stuff is coming down. I'm thinking, you know, I'm newly clean and sober, and even though this bad thing has happened, and, you know, my life is not over, it's great. It's going to be okay. 
I'm getting a divorce, but, you know, I can handle having a baby on my own. I, you know, I still have a job. I was still bartending, but, you know, I, I was thinking I could still do that. But, you know, and I did that successfully for six months into my recovery, and then I decided that that wasn't going to work for me anymore. And, you know, it's just because I was ready. You know, I could have gone to the corner liquor store or reached in the well. Okay, I mean, whatever. It didn't make any difference. I was ready to stop. I was done. I did not want alcohol anymore. But that didn't serve me after a while, and I got out of that job too. But um, I got to tell you that when I was reading this book this year, I realized that uh, it said something that it talked about that you share your experience around drinking. You know, you talk about how you drank, you know. I should have known from day one when I drank that, uh, I, when I, you know, when I would be, drink with the older guys that I was drinking with, I would put my finger down my throat to throw up so I would get straight so I could drink more. Now, normal people that drink don't drink like that, okay? I call that anorexic alcoholism, okay? <laughs> should have known from that that I wasn't a normal drinker, but, you know, it just seemed like the thing to do because I wanted to drink with the big dogs, you know. Um, you know, putting your fist through windows, you get that. You get that. My life was manageable, though. I had an apartment, you know, and I, 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 you know, I raised myself from 14 to 26 when I met my husband. I mean, I didn't have a problem with unmanageability. Um, yeah. So, it talks about that you share your experience around your drinking and how you drank, and then you listen to their experience about how you drank. And I was working with this girl who just got out of a recovery home. She asked me to respond to her in December. She was gone by February, but um, I started working the steps with her in my home. And you're, what you're supposed to do is you're supposed to share your spiritual experience. Okay? You're supposed to share about your drinking, and then you're supposed to share your spiritual experience so that hopefully they can get some semblance of a spiritual experience. Doesn't mean you have to have the same one as I did. Mine happened to be a white light, like light, like Bill had. You know, if you have a Dr. Bob, you know, white knuckle kind of you know, spiritual experience, fine. Doesn't make any difference how what kind of spirit. But you better get one because you ain't gonna stay sober. So back to the day that <clears throat> I was four months clean and sober, and I had gone into my first obstetrician appointment for the baby, and um, I'm bartending at work. And I'm telling this young woman I'm sponsoring, I'm sitting at my home with her telling her this experience. Because I had forgotten. See, I speak for a living. Um, we'll talk about that maybe if we have time. But um, I was sharing my experience with her about my spiritual awakening. And I had told this one story so many times. Can you know how you tell a story so many times it becomes real for you? No, you don't know anything like that, do you? <laughs> Well, I had told this one story so many times in this particular job that I have that it became real for me because I was trying to describe the experience of being in the doctor's office when this happened to me, but it's not actually how it happened. What happened for me was, and it wasn't until this year that I realized this. In January, uh, my son is 15 years old, and um, they did a, a front-page newspaper article on him and I in the Vacaville Reporter, and I'll tell you about that in a minute. But what I want to share with you was what happened that day uh, in the, in the, uh, my, with my four spiritual experiences. Um, and I was telling this girl in my house this. We were sitting at my coffee table, and on the coffee table was that picture of my son and I on the, on the front page of the Vacaville Reporter. 
And I'm explaining to her about my spiritual experience. And, and the spiritual experience was that I was bartending this one night, and I got a phone call from that doctor that I went to see, the obstetrician. I was four months clean and sober and three months pregnant, and she tells me I need to make an appointment with her. She needed to talk to me. And I said, well, what's this about? And she said, well, I really can't tell you over the phone because that wouldn't be a good idea. And I said, well, I, you know, you need to tell me, and you need to tell me now because I, I know something's wrong, and I can't take no for an answer, and, of course, I'm a good alcoholic, and I conned her into telling me the truth. And what she told me was when I was in that office, she asked me, uh, I, I made a joke about that uh, maybe I have HIV because of a swollen lymph node that was underneath my arm. Well, that happened to be true because she tested me that day in that office, and two weeks later I get this phone call at work while I was bartending, and I was told over the telephone that I have been diagnosed with the disease of AIDS, that I have five to seven years to live, and then you better think about aborting that baby because it's going to die anyway, and you're going to watch your baby die, and it's all your fault. The first spiritual experience that I explained to that woman in my living room was that I didn't pick up a drink or take a drug. And that is a miracle. I wanted to medicate my feelings so bad at that point. You can't even imagine. Now, the bar, the shift ended at 10 o'clock. Thank God, because if it had had to stay open until 2 o'clock in the morning, I would have never made it, okay? Absolutely, under no conditions would I have ever made that whole shift. So 10 o'clock, the bar closes. It's a bar in, in a shopping mall. Oh, and you know, the other thing was is that it talks about in the book a spiritual experience about that there will be nothing between you and your God except for, uh, I mean, you and that alcohol except for your God. I had that experience for an hour and a half. This is in a shopping mall, okay? For an hour and a half, there was not a customer in that bar. And I sat on the end of that bar and I said, please, God, at least for the baby's sake, don't let me drink. Please, God, don't let me drink. I went home that night and I started throwing up profusely. Gee, I wonder why. I'm a little stressed out, okay? My roommate, Barbara, she was a, a, bar, a cocktail waitress downtown. She didn't get off till 3 in the morning. So... She gets home at four, and she says, you know, she knew that I had, she was the only one I, I was even willing to tell because this is, like, really serious 15 years ago, okay? This is a death sentence. They're dropping, like, flies. You know, I'm going to die in two weeks. It's all over for me. You know, they're going to burn crosses on my lawn. Kind of like the beginning dregs of alcoholism when they started with the big book, huh? You know? And, uh, and so, uh, she says, you know, what's wrong? And I said, well, you know, she knew that I had been diagnosed. I said, but I've been throwing up all night. Something's wrong with the baby. i got to go to the hospital. I mean, i got to go, you know, something's wrong. I mean, so she scoops me up. She takes me to the hospital. And um, I'm laying in this emergency room, and I'm looking up at the ceiling, and I'm on this gurney, and they're pumping me full of fluid. They put an IV in my arm and because and, I had dehydrated myself from vomiting. And, and I, uh, and, and you know, for the baby's sake as well as for me, they had to put fluids back into my body. And, um, and, and I'm laying there for all night long, staring up at the ceiling, and I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to kill myself. And I'm explaining this to this woman, and, you know, that's sitting in my living room, and I said, you know, so I'm, I'm laying there and I'm thinking, okay, well, I could, I could, like, you know, take sleeping pills, but, 
wait, you know, because then you throw up all night long, and I just did that, and that's not too much fun, so I think I'll skip that experience. And so I'm, and I'm thinking, okay, well, I could jump off the Golden Gate Bridge, okay? Because I'm trying to figure out how to do this painlessly because I'm, like, kind of chicken, okay? <laughs> and I don't want to hurt myself. <laughs> I just want to kill myself, <laughs> you know? And I'm, I'm thinking, okay, there's a nice view going down if it's the Golden Gate Bridge, and you'll be famous, okay? It'll be nice. And I'm thinking, wait a second, no, you can't do that either because if you stand on a step ladder, you get really nauseous, and you can't even do that. So I don't think I'm going to even be able to do that. I don't have the courage to do that either. God, nothing's going to work. What am I going to do? And I heard this voice. I swear to God, I heard this voice. And it said to me, you know, you can choose to make yourself sick or you can choose to be well. You've obviously done that all night long. And I'm like, where the heck did that voice come from? And I thought, you know what? It was right. Because obviously I'd done it all night long. So you know what? Tonight, I'm healthy. And tonight I have a full stomach, and tonight I'm okay, and tomorrow I may get hit by a bus, and, you know, what am I going to be afraid to leave the house? So, you know what? I'm going to do one day at a time. Ah! What a concept. I don't know where I heard that one at. <laughs> so, I thought, okay, I can do just today. And tomorrow, it'll be another day, and tomorrow we'll do tomorrow. And I'm laying there, and I'm thinking I'm not going to kill myself, and I'm going to do the best I can with today, and I'm going to try to stay clean and sober one day at a time. And as I'm explaining this to this young woman, I said to her, and then I saw a vision. I saw my son's face, 15 years old. And then I said that to her, and I looked down at the paper, and I went, <gasps> and I saw myself 15 years old, and on the front of that newspaper was that exact reason. <laughs> and you know what else I figured out? Because, see, You're all part of that spiritual awakening. Don't you get that? If I don't share this this year with you, and I'm not in the now, right now, here with you, and telling you that you're a part of that, then I'm not doing my job. God had a plan 15 years ago for me to be in this room with you right now, right here, telling you this stupid story. Because let me tell you something. Spiritual experiences are very, very flat when somebody describes them to you. You know, you're, you're, you're saying to this guy, you know, I was on top of this mountain, and, going, and you know, I said, it was beautiful. And he's going, yeah, whatever. <laughs> it just isn't the same, okay? And I get that. But it's my spiritual experience. That husband and I got back together. In spite of my character defects, he loves me, and in spite of his, I love him. That's what you taught me how to do. You taught me to not leave when the going gets tough. And it's been tough. We've done four different types of therapy, let me tell you. <laughs> That's how sick we are, okay? But you know what? What I know today... is I have to be wrong to get well. I have to be wrong to get well. 
I came in here knowing everything, and I don't know nothing now. See, I was supposed to be dead in five to seven years. That's 16 years ago, one day at a time. And that's not privately. That's God. That has nothing to do with me. If I had anything to do with it, I would have been out there drinking or using or whatever. But, you know, my service is to Alcoholics Anonymous because that's where I do my service work and that's where I got, you know, you clean me up. <laughs> you know, I owe you big time. When I start getting all wrapped up in my home group about, you know, that's all ego and I want it my way and I'm not supposed to want anything for this except for sobriety. I don't want anything for this except for sobriety. I want to stay clean and sober today. What do I do? Do what's in front of me. Answer the phone. Go to the meeting. Share it. You know. Let me tell you that I have never been ill. Physically, not mentally. (laughs) (laughs) I've had four flus in in 16 years. I bet you can't say that. And I have had HIV for 16 years. That's God. God is doing for me what I can't do for myself. But God will not do for me what I can do for myself. He will not squeeze that hot dog through the keyhole. If you need to get the hot dog, you have to get out of the closet, and you got to go make the hot dog. Sorry, ain't buying that one. You know, I had to start taking medication two years ago. Two years ago. They didn't even have any medications when I started with HIV. I kept praying, I kept asking. But now, now, like in the 12 by 12, it says that, you know, it's the right use of will when it's aligned with God. Now I get the answer, the right answer. And sometimes if the answer, there is no answer, then you don't do any action at all. Because the answers just don't do anything. Do the dishes. You'll get direct answers if you ask. you got to ask them. You see, a lot of times, I don't even want to know the answer. Because then I may have to do it. Ew. That means responsibility. See, the steps have principles behind them. And this is something I learned this year from a lovely, lovely uh, newcomer who's just awesome in our area, who's, you know, sponsored by a very, very favorite uh, young woman that I love dearly who's got less time than me, but she's got so much, and she knows the book like the back of her hand. And here I am looking for the steps, for God's sake. Okay, so, so there you go. You know, I'm just totally, I have I, just many drugs ago. I, I, don't, I don't know anything. Okay, but what I'm going to do is uh, look at the steps and tell you something about the principles. Okay? Oh, God, where is this? What page are the steps on? Hell, I'm losing it. 58. Okay, thank you. Because I don't, I don't know numbers, and I'm sorry. It just it goes out of my mind as fast as 58. You're as bad as I am. <laughs> I am so pleased. Okay, there we go. Now, how it works, that's what I'm looking for. Yeah, working with it, how it works. Chapter 5. Yeah. Now, it isn't 58, it is 59. Aha. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> there you go. So, you are as bad as I am. See, there you go. No, anyway, so um, the principles behind the step. Number one, the principle behind that step is self-honesty. i got to be honest with myself. It isn't, it isn't going to help me to tell you you're, that you're an alcoholic. You, you know, we're not here to tell you if you're an alcoholic. you got to figure that one out for yourself. Uh, so you need to get honest. And in how it works, honesty is said in a number of different languages in many different uh, times. And there's a reason for that. Because honesty is the only thing that's going to keep you sober. And it isn't like I, I'm all honest all the time, you know, 24-7. 
But I got to keep digging at that honesty. I have learned about my dishonesty. My dishonesty is, is that I will not tell you the truth because I don't want to hurt your feelings. My dishonesty is different than a lot of people's. And I'm not saying I'm different. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not terminally unique today. I'm telling you that I do not lie to you because I just won't tell you. You know. I, I care what you think about me. I don't care anymore. I'm not interested in what you think about me. You know what I'm interested in? What God thinks about me. That's what I'm interested in. What you think of me, that's fine. It's great if you like me. If you don't, call your sponsor. Good. You know, because then they'll have you working on you, and that'll be a good thing. Because, see, it isn't about liking me or not liking me. It's about liking you for you. Okay? So the second step is hope. If without, without the second step, the first step is hopeless. If you're powerless, you have no hope. Well, you got to, you know, have a God that restores you to sanity. Now, I used to say, for the newcomer, I used to say, how do you restore something to sanity that never had it to begin with, okay? <laughs> I didn't get that. Guess what? You you did have it to begin with. You've been damaged. We came from wherever perfect. And I am even perfect with my imperfections today. The third step is faith. The third step is faith. The principle behind it is faith. Get in the wheelbarrow. Get in the wheelbarrow. You know, you watch the guy push the tight, you know, the wheelbarrow over the tightrope a million times. You say, "Oh, I have trust that he can do that." The faith is when you get in the wheelbarrow. I am in the wheelbarrow, boy. I've been doing it for 16 years, one day at a time. Okay, God, what do I do here? Fourth and fifth step, the principle behind it is courage. You don't, you can't do the fourth and fifth step without courage because you got to look at all your warts and all your scabs. You got to pick them open. You got to have the sunlight of the spirit hit them, you know. And it's like, oh, ew. What do I want to do that for? The sixth and seventh step, the principle is humility. I never wanted humility. That thing in the 12 by 12 when it says you will crave humility more. <laughs> Who would want that? I went, I read that and went, oh, ew, I'll never want that. Why would I want that? Boy, was I wrong. you got to be wrong to get well. I crave humility. It has nothing to do with me. Eighth and ninth step is responsibility. There's the bad word. Self-supporting for our income distribution. No, we don't want to do that. I don't want to be responsible to make coffee and show up on time. Why? Because somebody may need a meeting? Excuse me? Oh, I'm, I, I'm way too busy for that. Right? I don't. But you know what? Are you willing to go to any length? Then you'll come make coffee. I've never had, not had a service commitment in the program of Alcoholics Anonymous since I came here. I actually did step away, to be honest with you, uh, for six months because I was getting all twisted up. But then I got right back in it. I just took a break and backed away and, and then went back to my home group. Otherwise, I would have left my home group. Patience is the principle behind 10th and 11th because it takes patience. You're not going to get perfect overnight, and you're never going to get perfect. You just keep plug, plugging away at it, okay? And the 12th step is unconditional love. You answer the phone when it rings, when you're too tired, when the baby's been crying all night long. And you know, I, I know that man didn't stay sober out of jail and having a baby like that, as beautiful as that baby is, without answering that darn phone. He didn't let that answering machine pick it up because he was too busy to pick it up. 
when he got a 12-step call on that line, I don't know about him, but, you know, when I get a 12-step call on that line, if I'm going out to the grocery store, I do the 12-step call. Because, see, my life depends on this program. My life depended on that bottle before. Kept me living. Or kept me dying. So I want to read with you one more time that statement that I read in Family Afterwards. Because, see, he was God's will for me. God didn't do it. That was my will. Avoid, then, the deliberate manufacturer of misery. I have lived that. I can't run from the wreckage of my past because it lives in my body, and I created it in recovery. Is that a hard thing to swallow, or what? But you know what? Got no problem showing you my worth, because maybe then you'll have the courage to show yours to somebody else. Because I'm a bonehead. Not a problem. I don't like swear words anymore. I try to, I have the mouth of a truck driver. I'm trying to recreate my language here a little bit. That's really appropriate because I am and it's sick here, okay? You know, but the deal is, is that, but if trouble comes, cheerfully capitalize on it as an opportunity to demonstrate his omnipotence. I can't even tell you, um, That that boy that was born on November 13th in 1986 had my maternal antibodies. That meant that he tested positive for the AIDS virus when he was born. And you really learn about one day at a time at that point. <clears throat> but he converted to negative because when his body started making its own antibodies, he was then negative and he did not have the virus of AIDS. And that's a miracle. I remember one of my very favorite 11-step stories is um, I had a friend um, tell me about a book. It's a non-AA-approved literature book called um, When Bad Things Happen to Good People. And, um, and it's written by a, a Jewish – I swear I must have been Jewish in, the last, in my last life. I swear I love – I have a menorah that I burn on in Christmas. I know it's weird. I, I tell you I'm a pagan. Anyway, but, <laughs> but this, this Jewish rabbi wrote this book, and, and when I was dealing with the issues that I was dealing with, my pastor – directed me to read this book and it talked about that you pray when you pray you ask for thy will not mine to be to be done so Kevin was really little and every night I would go into his room in the crib and I would kneel next to his crib and he was still positive at that time and I would get on my knees and I would say, thank you, God, for another day of sobriety. Because my sponsor guaranteed me, and I'll tell you, I, I've never told my girl this, but I, I blame it on her. I say, my sponsor used to tell me that she guaranteed me another day of sobriety if I thank God for my sobriety today. Now, I will not guarantee that because I'm not that cocky, but because <laughs> but, <laughs> they always prove you're wrong, and I don't want to do that. <laughs> so, so, um, so, I said, so I would get on my knees, and I would say, thank you, God, for another day of sobriety. I will not mind be done. And I'm going to tell you something, that was the hardest prayer I ever had to pray because that maybe meant that that baby was going to die. But I would do it every day. Now, I don't know if Kevin tested negative because of that prayer. But I did it. The month that my husband and I got remarried uh, on our anniversary date of our first wedding, we got our first negative test back on our son, and that coincidence. 
Um, that was the best wedding present we could have ever gotten. And um, and then I was uh, in a doing a speaker thing for a 11 step meeting, and um, and we have to read the 11 step first, and then you share on it. And uh, it's a funny thing how how every every you know, thing that's ever been written is in these books. Because in that book, you know, when bad things happen to good people, when it says, I will not mind you, done, that's exactly what that 11 step says in the public. But I didn't see it, that selective hearing. But I heard it from the other book, so that's okay. I will not mind be done. It's God's will that I'm okay right now. It's my will that I got HIV. That was me. That wasn't God. I don't believe in a God that's a punishing God like that. I would not have a God like that. Sorry, I don't buy that. My God wants to save me from that kind of stuff. But I'm going to tell you something right now. If I die of AIDS tomorrow, I am completely healed. Because the whole inside of me is healed. I don't need you to make me okay anymore. I don't need my husband to make me okay anymore. I don't need my kid to make me okay anymore. I don't need anybody to make me okay anymore because I'm right with my God today. Now, we could change five minutes from now going down the street with road rage. I, I don't do road rage, but I'm kidding. But, you know, you, you maybe you do, and I'm just we're trying to relate. You know, it doesn't matter. You just start your day over again, you know, and you go, okay, God, what am I supposed to be learning from this? You know, that's the deal. Uh, you don't drink. You go to meetings. You go to meetings like you drink. You get a sponsor. And you sit down and you work the steps. You know, and they can only transmit what they have been given. And for years I transmitted it the way I transmitted it, and now I'm kind of an eclectic version. There I am, a pagan air. Oh, well. You know, it's the way it is, and that's, it was just my experience. But what I do is I read that book with those girls today. And I'm going to tell you something. That literature is the most unbelievable miracle. I, I am not a miracle. Let me tell you something. This program is a miracle because it helps it has lasted you want to know how powerful this program is 150 countries every different religion you could ever imagine I went to that world conference and saw those 150 flags and I was totally blown away that crosses every boundary that you could ever ever see in your entire life every country 9-11 don't hold a candle to what happened in Alcoholics Anonymous I'm sorry I'm sorry we are more powerful than any movement in the whole entire face of the planet because we reach more people in different in different ethnic groups, in different religions, different whatever. We all are one. And we all are anyway. And we got to start learning that. See, that's what we're trying to do is separate from each other, making you wrong and see if you wouldn't do that to me, then I wouldn't feel this bad. No. I'm letting you do that to me, you know. And that's what I've learned from working that four step over and over and over and over. And I'm going to tell you something. This four step workshop that these friends of mine in Minneapolis do, they go, go around and do it all over their area, and he actually, he wants to come here and do it with me, uh, and I just, I mean, they're amazing. And I'm going to tell you something, there is a lot of power in that inventory. I don't know what the heck I was so afraid of. And, and this last two years of listening to those tapes with my girls, I have never understood the book like I understand it now. I have nothing to do with what you're doing. All I need to do is work on what I'm doing and what I'm being, and then finding out the causes and conditions, and then asking God to remove it. So that I can, you know, uh, direct, you know, my thinking to helping you. And that's the deal. I thank you for keeping me sober one more day. I thank you. I love you, you know, and, um, thank God for AA.
Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Sobercast is ad-free, and we'd like your help in order to keep it that way. So if you'd like to help us be self-supporting by pledging a dollar to a month, visit Sobercast.com and look for the donate links. Thank you very much.